This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnial Saleh and Hani Balkis. Welcome back to Future Talk right here on Pulse95. It is me, Annie Bilqis, with Omnia Saar, bringing you everything you need to know about what's happening in the tech world and in the UAE and even in space. I'm talking about Mars today as well. Now, I was just at the Sharjah Expo Center <laughs> for the Exposure event, the International Photography Festival. I'm just on a go right now. I'm yes, just, I'm I was just, just going to say, people are tuning in from 10 to 2 10 to, to 3. 10 to 3. I mean, I, I, I love talking, so uh, <laughs> it works out great. But today, we have a lot in store for them. Yes, indeed. Today is one of the most phenomenal days right here in the UAE. Yesterday, the Hope Probe successfully made it to the Red Planet, an accomplishment that I'm sure everyone living right here in the UAE is feeling the adrenaline, the excitement of such a historical moment becoming a reality. I was at home. Omnia on a call with my friends yeah. and we were all watching the, the video on YouTube on the live stream and as soon as he declared I think uh, I forgot the name of the, the man who declared it but as soon as he declared that yeah. uh, the, the, the probe has reached project, Mars I think he's the project manager yeah, yeah as soon as he declared the probe reached Mars just all of us are clapping <laughs> and, and it's funny because if someone didn't know what I was doing I just have headphones on I'm just like <laughs> clapping in my own room but alhamdulillah the whole probe did reach mars it is an accomplishment for the uae for the arab world and history has been made yesterday and to celebrate history we brought someone on the show omnia yes indeed we're definitely not celebrating alone today on future talk because we're going to be joined by the deputy project manager science data and analysis lead for the whole probe mars mission Ms. hissa rashid al matrushi she's going to be telling us all about the excitement that they felt as their team witnessed the whole probe make it to Mars, but also what are the next steps for the Hope Probe? When will we be receiving the first image of the Martian atmosphere? This is all going to be coming up in just a few moments. Yes, very interesting topic to talk about, to talk about the people who worked on the project. But we're not done talking about the UAE just yet because UAE surgeons are slicing into technology in its latest holographic procedures. I mean, we've been talking a lot about the medical field and technology and the advancements we've been seeing in the medical field with technology. So a very interesting story to talk about today. Definitely is interesting. Coming up on the show as well, Google is making headlines because nowadays, apparently you can actually predict the coronavirus speak through Google's data. How does that work out? All those details and more are going to be coming up in just a few moments. So make sure you keep Pulse 95 locked because we'll be right back. Pulse 95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. Your quick roundup of everything that is happening in the tech world, in the UAE and around the world. Yesterday marked the beginning of so many accomplishments in the space sector and also right here on Earth. This is exactly why today we're talking about UAE surgeons actually bringing in an interesting type of technology, which is the holographic procedures. Now, just like you've mentioned, Hani, a lot of the times we've seen the UAE implement AI, different forms of technology in the field of healthcare, but the HoloLens which we've been seeing implemented in gaming programs, 
is now providing a 3D-generated patient rendering and giving doctors simultaneous access to health scans as well as global expertise. Yes, now again, uh, mashallah, the UAE is doing a lot when it does come to technology. And we're looking just yesterday, the space sector doing some, <laughs> do, making history. Is yes. it, there's nothing, we can't stop talking about th- it. There's nothing more than that. They have made history. The True. UAE has made history being the fifth, the fifth nation in the world and the first Arab country in the world to go to, 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 to the Martian to uh, planet Mars. But from precision robotic surgery to mechanical super suits to help the disabled walk, we do know that healthcare innovation is nothing new. But now, the latest development in virtual reality headsets is helping surgeons speed up procedures in a safer environment with quicker patient recovery times. Now, orthopedic surgeons at Burjid Medical City have trialed immersive augmented reality during operations to gain real-time access to patient records and global expertise. And we're talking about the HoloLens. Yes, indeed. Now, the HoloLens 2 headset is actually produced by Microsoft, and it is one of the latest steps when it comes to immersifying technology in the field of healthcare. Now, a lot of you may be wondering, how does it help out healthcare professionals? Well, it all lies in augmented reality and as well, assisted reality through that headset. So this device can actually give every doctor all the information they would need about a certain patient. It would also list out the plans for the surgery that they're going to be having, where the incision would be, and which instruments would be used in that surgery. So it's basically like having a surgical set you can actually go ahead and move multiple images in front of you to assist you during surgery. Yes. Now, in January, actually, a 61-year-old Emirati became the first patient right here in the UAE to benefit from this type of technology. And that's when surgeon u- surgeons used augmented reality headsets during his knee replacement. Now, that's not something you hear every- about <laughs> every day. But also, doctors in Abu Dhabi have actually used the device to perform even shoulder surgery. And a global demonstration, which happened on February 9th, will enable medics from around the world to take part in a live operations. And the device actually does allow surgeons to also access patient records, such as recent scans or other diagnostics, and to simultaneously share information with other specialists around the world. So we're looking at this medical sector creating their own hub and creating their own uh, actually Cloud. ecosystem. Yes. Ecosystem. And I, it, it reminds me of the Apple ecosystem. You're probably saying, Hani, come on. <laughs> Can you not talk about Apple for one day? It's Microsoft today. <laughs> it's Microsoft today, but it does remind me of the Apple ecosystem. And it's always good news when we're seeing medical advancements, technological advancements in the medical sector. I agree with you, especially because a lot of the times patients would go to certain doctors in the UAE. These doctors would have all of their scans, their history. But once they move hospitals, for example, they may not have as precise information. That doctor, that new doctor that you're seeing may not know what previous doctors have been doing. But with the HoloLens, it's like putting everything up on a cloud and having all that information easy to access. But at the same time, one of my favorite features about this HoloLens that is coming right out of Microsoft is the ability for surgeons to actually record the surgery that they're doing. So as a medical student, you no longer need to actually, you know, look up videos on how to learn more about a certain form of surgery. You can have a chance to witness a live surgery happening right in front of you because it was all recorded. Yes, it's very educational as well. So medical students can benefit from this technology. Now, surgeons do also 
also have access to haptic gloves yes. to mimic the feel of real surgical procedures and even improve efficiency in theater. Now, as well as the Microsoft HoloLens, other similar products are enabling doctors to access the latest tech. And a built-in AI platform with pro-prio visual computer analysis, 3D renderings of a patient, and they also do share surgical data in real time. Now, this looks like the brand new for the medical sector, and I'm 100% there for it. And on the show, Omnia, Omnia and I actually on the show, we've brought in a lot of doctors and a lot of experts talking about the robotic surgeries, uh, VR, AI, and how they're very important in the medical field. And to kind of give you a, a an explanation about how this can work. Mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, someone needs surgery on their knee. Yeah. But unfortunately, there are no knee surgeons in the country. So they're all on leave or they're all doing something. They're all busy with something else. So what can happen is, let's say a surgeon from America can log into that server, to that cloud, whatever it is, and perform the surgery from the United States remotely, remotely to any country in the world. And again, this is putting doctors closer and closer together, giving them, them that ecosystem and creating a hub. And when it's it's always good to have easier access to Medicare. 100%. And I'm sure everyone living right here in the UAE feels blessed to have such access for doctors and different medical professionals. Let us know your thoughts about using virtual reality and augmented reality as a form of tech in the healthcare industry. Coming up on the show, we still have lots to share with you all. We're going to be talking about Google data, allowing scientists to forecast upcoming COVID-19 peaks. Keep Pulse 95 locked. We'll be right back. You're, You're listening, listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. Bits and bytes do connect our world, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we're talking about Google and how their data can help forecast a coronavirus peak. Now, the University College London researchers have found that internet search data could actually assist with predicting public health emergencies. Now, we do know that internet data on the coronavirus-related symptom search through Google could actually help to predict a peak in infections in about 17 days in advance. I love this, especially because a lot of people tend to turn to doctors Google whenever they're worried about COVID-19 symptoms. Hani is one of them. I'm second on that. Whatever symptom pops up, it's Google. I am the king <laughs> of... It's Actually, a lot of people say don't do that, but do not self-diagnose yeah. yourself. But, I mean, you so, can't not. <laughs> so, I must say a quick funny story, Omnia. Okay. A real fi everyone's gonna laugh, all okay. right? Okay. So, I was feeling like... I, had, I feel like there was a lump in my throat about okay. four months ago. Yeah. And I was like, man, it hurts and I cannot talk and I cannot mm. swallow. And I'm like, that's weird because I removed my tonsils. Yeah. So, what does Hanny do? Is it lymph nodes? I go to Google. Okay. And I start Googling stuff. And what would you call it? Lymph nodes? Lymph nodes. Yes, that yeah. one. I, so, there's a, apparently a disease called lymph node something. Lymphocytes. I some, I there's think, something. Yeah. And it's, it's horrible. It is. And I'm Your like... Your whole neck stiffens because stiffens, of it. And I was feeling actually pain in my yes. neck. Yes. So I, I'm like, Mama, call the doctor. I need to go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor who removed my tonsils. He's like, you again? I thought I was done with you. He's like, I removed your tonsils. I thought I was done what with you. What are you doing here again at the and office? And I'm like, doctor, I have lumpitis. I don't know what I call it. He looks at me. He's like, sure. I said, I have it. He's like, open your mouth. Open your mouth. He looks at me. He's like, there's nothing. I'm like, I read it on Google. He's like, I hope Google shuts down. Oh, all right? my God. He's like, you know, if you had lip lice, you would be on a bed right now and you would be oh in God. the emergency room. Oh, my God. Right? He's like, you probably have a pimple in your th in your th on your tongue. 
And so I just, it was there. The, you go. So don't diagnose yourself on Google. Quickest doctor appointment in my life. Five minutes in and out. And I probably was the laughing stock of the hospital that day. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. A lot of people go for Google to find out what their symptoms mean. But if in the past this used to be a very bad thing to do, nowadays we're discovering that it could help scientists predict a peak in COVID infections about 17 days in advance. Now. This approach would work differently based on what country we're talking about and how the searches actually peak or decrease in specific country. But, but the analysis behind it is all about finding out an association between the coronavirus incident and searches about the symptoms of, let's say, the loss of sense of smell or even any skin rashes. And a lot of researchers have been saying that many search queries such as, let's say, blue face, mm-hmm. loss of smell or loss of appetite, pink eye, the shortness of breath, they're actually the top five most impactful symptoms when it comes to estimating confirmed cases of COVID-19. So I'm going to just to go back to that story, I googled what I had and it was, I thought I had lymphoma. Which, oh, it's which, a form of which is a cancer, cancer that originates in your lymphatic system. Yes. <laughs> so alhamdulillah, I don't got it. And I, no wonder the doctor was going crazy that day. But again, we're just looking at how the Internet could benefit us, yes. even when it does come to COVID-19 sy- symptoms. And Google is the biggest search engine in the world right now. So them using their data to help predict and kind of have a foresight on and forecast uh, the a coronavirus peak in infections for the public is very important. Absolutely. Let us know your thoughts. We want to hear from all of you. What do you think about using Google to be able to predict different COVID-19 peaks? That's definitely an interesting one. Coming up on the show, we have a very interesting conversation with the deputy project manager of the Hope Probe Mars mission, Hissa Al-Matrushi. She's going to be joining us, tell us all about their feelings the minute they found out that the Hope Probe made it to the other side of Mars, but also what is the scientific mission of the Hope Pro. Keep Pulse 95 locked. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnia Al-Saleh and Hany Balkis. A journey that passed through every challenge with flying colors and overcame the impossible. February 9 is a day that I'm sure history will forever remember. It's a day where the UAE and the Arab world felt very proud about the Hope Probe successfully making it into the Martian orbit. And the UAE actually became the first Arab country in the world to reach Mars and the third country worldwide to arrive to Mars from the first trial. But we're not celebrating this historical moment on our own today on Future Talk. Joining us is engineer Hessa Rashid Al-Matrushi, the deputy project manager and science data and analysis lead for the Hope Probe Mars mission. Hessa, thank you so much for joining us today and congratulations on this great achievement. Thank you for having me with you today. I'm very pleased to be with you today after the historic day that we had yesterday with the arrival of Hope Probe to Mars orbit. It's a pleasure to have you on the on the show, Hessa. Again, congratulations to you and your team and to the whole UAE. But can you talk to us about the arrival of the Hope Probe to Mars and did it go as expected? So yesterday on February 9th, we had Mars orbit insertion. So this is a process when the probe needs to reduce its speeds from 121,000 kilometers per hour to 18,000 kilometers per hour mm-hmm. to get captured by Mars gravity. Mm-hmm. So the burn takes 27 minutes using the probe's six thrusters. Mm-hmm. So those thrusters are turned on 
and the burn starts during this time. The insertion was nominal as accepted, uh, expected, alhamdulillah. So the oral sex thruster worked as we expected and the burn take took 27 minutes and we arrived to Mars. That's amazing to hear. Um, Hassa, can you talk to us a little bit about the time period? So at what time did you get the news about the whole probe arriving to or being inserted into the Martian orbit exactly? So we received the first signal at 7.42 p.m. Mm -hmm. And that was because the burn started at 7.30. Mm. And it takes the signal from the probe to reach us back to the mission operations center around 11 minutes delay. So mm -hmm. this is when the first we got a signal from the probe telling us that the burn has started. Mm -hmm. And then we waited for 27 minutes and we received the second signal at 8.08 p.m. This is the signal that tell us that the burn had ended, but the team needed to confirm the telemetries from the whole probe, making sure that everything is nominal mm -hmm. and the insertion was successful. So five minutes afterward, we received the announcement that Mars orbit insertion was successful. What a great moment it was, I'm sure. And coming up on the show, we're going to be talking all about the feelings that you and your team experienced during that blackout period of not knowing how the whole probe is uh, managing on its own autonomously. If you have any questions for Hissa Al Matrushi, make sure you share them with us at 4215. Do it this a lot or sign into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m. Check this out. Check this out. Pulse95. The Hope Probe has made every single person living on the land of the UAE proud yesterday. It successfully made it into the Martian orbit, making the UAE the first Arab country to reach, to reach Mars and the third country worldwide to arrive to Mars from the first trial. And to just put things into perspective, only 50% of Mars exploration missions have succeeded in the past. So the UAE is definitely making a lot of firsts with the Hope Probe. Celebrating this historical moment, we can't do it alone right here on Future Talk, and this is exactly why. Today we're joined by the engineer Hissa Rashid Al-Matrushi, who is the deputy project manager and science data and analysis lead for the Hope Probe Mars mission. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Hissa. Thank you for having me with you. It's a pleasure. Now, Hasla, I was watching in the comfort and safety of my own home, and I was a little bit nervous, and I, I was nervous, excited. There was a lot of emotions going on, so I can't imagine right there in the control room what you guys were feeling. I mean, can you talk to us about the feelings that you and your team experienced during the blackout period? So Mars orbit insertion phase is very critical because like it lies the success of the mission. We either like get inserted into the orbit of Mars or we pass by Mars and then the mission ends. So the work that the team had put out since seven years ago, since 2014, all lies down to this very 27 minutes moment. <laughs> mm. So the team was anxious. We were excited at the same time to be reaching this milestone, but we were ready. Like we know like the amount of effort, the timeless hours that the team had put into preparing for these scenarios. So we were ready like to explore Mars and to get the success signal from the pole. Confidence, I think, is the most important part of this mission. Very important. Alhamdulillah, I mean, with 50% chance, it was a hit or miss. Alhamdulillah, we did hit it. Absolutely. Now, uh, Hissa, the UAE has always encouraged women to become a part of the science and space industry. And statistics actually show that the team behind the Hope Probe mission is actually made up of 34% 
woman. And just having this conversation with you today, it, it is a proof that also a big part of the leadership behind the Hope Probe mission is also considered and composed of women. Can you talk to us about your role in the mission and the different roles that women have had to help the Hope Probe achieve its goal of arriving to Mars? So the Hope Probe is a scientific mission and we do have a science team, which I'm part of. So we're there to lay down the scientific objectives in the mission, putting the scientific requirements and then doing a lot of preparations before we get the data from the probe in order to analyze it, to study the Martian atmosphere. And the science team is 80% women from the United Arab Emirates, which is a great percentage compared to other teams out there, like in an international. And that is a proof that UAE provides equal opportunity for both men and women whenever they prove themselves and they put their best effort forward, like equal chances are there. The women not only exist in the science team, we have them part of the spacecraft development team. So they developed the whole probe. They were part of the project management office. They monitor the schedule and the resources of the project. They're even part of the strategic planning team where they plan um, the media and the outreach that needs to go out uh, from the mission itself. And they're also part of the logistics safety and assurance team, which they lay down all the rules and what are the preparation plans to make sure that the probe is developed safety, uh, safely. Uh, we have all the components that we need and it was arrived uh, successfully to the launch podium as well. MashaAllah. Now, <laughs> Obviously, the star in all of this is Mars. And I want to ask you, since the whole probe has made it into the orbit, when should we expect the first picture of the Martian planet? The first thing that we need to do as a team after the Mars orbit's uh, insertion success is to make sure that all the subsystems on the whole probe are working well. We need to check the, our scientific instrument before we even turn them on. Mm. So after we finish from this, we will turn um, the instrument that we have, Emirates Exploration Imager. So this is an instrument that is able to take pictures of Mars. So we're hoping to have the picture released within a week from Mars orbit insertion. What an exciting time. Very exciting. <laughs> I want to see Mars and I want to see... Uh, just the red planet in general. Absolutely, and especially because we've seen a lot of competitors for the Hope Probe coming out of China, coming out of the U.S., but the Hope Probe is the first to make it to the Hope to the Martian planet before any of them. Hessa, can you talk to us a little bit about the scientific mission? How will this mission start out, and uh, when will it actually begin on the planet of Mars? So right now we are at the capture orbit. So we will stay there for around two months in order to finish the calibration activities mm -hmm. of the instrumentations that we have and we make sure that we're ready to enter the science phase. So we're expecting to enter the science phase around April mm -hmm. in which we will stay there for one Martian year, which equates to two Earth years. Okay. And within the science phase, we will look into studying the Martian atmosphere of Mars. We will study its different layer, the connection between them, we will study the diurnal variation day to night, how the weather is changing and how it impacts the loss of water from the Martian atmosphere. And these unique data would be the first of its kind in order of comprehensiveness to be provided to the international science community. That's amazing to hear. That's amazing that a different planet in our galaxy can make us learn more about our own planet, which, mashallah, I mean, it's something that obviously I don't know much about <laughs> when it comes to atmosphere and all of that, but obviously you guys are the experts. You will be telling us about how we can 
benefit from it. Yes, indeed. Coming up on the show, we'll be understanding more from Hissa El Matrushi about how Mars and Earth are actually a lot more related than anyone thinks they are. But also, what are the plans for the UAE to establish a human settlement on Mars by the year 2117? And could Mars potentially become our brand new home? If you have any questions for Hissa El Matrushi, make sure you send them in at 4215. Do it to or sign into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. You're, You're listening, listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnial Saleh and Hany Balkis. You know, every single time whenever we were back in school studying history, we talk about dates in the past, monumental and historical moments that have shaped history. But yesterday, the 9th of February 2021, is a day that we got to witness. It's a day that's going to be written in every history book. The day where the first ever Arab Hope Probe Mars mission actually made it into the Martian atmosphere. When statistics showcase that in the past, 50% of those missions made it and the other 50% never did. Science books, history books, even let's say a space book. The UAE will be mentioned for making history as the first Arab uh, country in the world, uh, the third country to actually get it from the first time and just one of five to actually go to the moon, uh, to to Mars (laughs) in the world. The moon will be on the list, I'm pretty sure, pretty soon. But joining us today is engineer Hissa Rashid Al-Matrushi, who is the deputy president project manager and science data and analysis lead for the Hope Probe Mars mission. She's been telling us all about the exciting moments that they've had, the anxious moments that they've had waiting for the Hope Probe to make it into the Martian atmosphere. Welcome back to the show, Hassan. Now, how will the mission actually help us learn more about Earth's atmosphere? I mean, in comparison to Mars, because actually we are very alike. That's very true. Like Mars is a terrestrial planet, just like Earth. And we've looked at Mars four billion years ago. Mars like was so similar to Earth. It has a very thick atmosphere. There is evidences on its surface that there was oceans of liquid water on its surface. But when we look at Mars today, like it's arid atmosphere, very thin, like we cannot see liquid water on its form. It cannot be sustained in this mm-hmm. harsh environment. So the question that is puzzling us as scientists and researchers, like what happened to the planet Mars? <laughs> How did it transform from a planet that looks like Earth to the planet that we see right now? So there are a lot of similarities between both planets. We have a similar tilt. We do have four seasons, only that Mars is further away from the sun that it takes double the amount of years that we take to go around mm-hmm. Earth. So like one year equates to two Earth years and Mars, like one Mars year. So there are some differences, especially when it comes to the magnetic, for example, um, magnetosphere that Earth has a protection. Mars doesn't have the kind of protection. So we understand the similarities and we understand the differences. but definitely whenever we learn about the other planets within our solar system we learn about earth itself because that will give us information about the physical processes and how do they impact each other Am- over the years amazing very looking forward for this data to actually be shown to us because it's it's always baffled me since i was a teenager because <laughs> the talk about mars has been in the talks for the last 20 years now yes and mashallah we are getting closer and closer to finding out that maybe one day one day we could potentially live on planet Mars. And this brings us to another question, Hissa. The UAE is aiming to establish a human settlement on Mars by the year 2117. In your opinion, could Mars 
potentially possibly become our brand new home in the future. The vision that the UAE had put for Mars, like putting a hundred years plan because it went announced back in 2017 and it put a hundred years plan in order to achieve a human settlement. That was announced there to give confidence and commitment to youth that the projects that we're going to Mars is not a one time. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing whole approach for once and then we're ending this chapter. Yeah. It's a long vision. It's a long journey. And for us to achieve this vision, 100 years vision, there are a lot of factors and a lot of pillars that we need to develop. We need to develop our science and technology capabilities in terms of development. We need to inspire youth, get a lot of them 100%. into the science fields and engineering fields. We need to establish a lot of collaborations because like no one country can do it alone. It's mm -hmm. when all the countries work together that we are able to achieve mm -hmm. this kind of pillars. And we need to even to develop our infrastructure and able to sustain such vision. So it's a long plan and all the projects that will come from the UAE in the space sector will fall in line to this vision. 100% Hissa, I totally agree with you. It all started with uh, Hazal Mansouri, Sultan Niyadi, and now, mashallah, we're going to Mars. <laughs> and I do suspect in the coming years we will go to the moon as the UAE has nominated 10 people uh, to to learn more about space and again to encourage the youth that hey this is not a one-time thing we're gonna keep going until we reach our goal so mashallah and alhamdulillah i mean it's very exciting times absolutely hissa what is one piece of advice you would give to every young uh, mind right now tuning in who is interested in the space sector or the space industry but they may be having a little bit of doubt what is one piece of advice that you would give them one thing I really learned through this journey that there is nothing that is impossible. You put a vision, you put an approach, you put the right methodology, you're able to achieve your goal. And UAE has provided a lot of opportunities, especially to students, mm -hmm. to come and explore the space science fields, to get hands-on experience in it, which these experiences weren't provided back in my days. So they're very lucky to have them in there. So I would always advise them to go and try it out. You will be amazed by this field and by the fascination that we get out of space. And I'm sure they would love it yes indeed and as a woman yourself working <laughs> right there at, with the project hopefully a lot of little girls are listening and saying hey i want to be like hessa one day and inshallah they do have the chance as the ua is providing equal to all genders there is no discrimination between male and female if you have the vision and you want to put your mind to it you can reach here and beyond absolutely thank you so much hessa matrushi for joining us today it's been such a great honor to get to have you on the show today Pleasure is mine. Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, congratulations to you, to the UA Space Agency, and to the UA in general. This is history that has been made, ladies and gentlemen. And as someone who lives in the UA most of his life and calls it his own home, I am proud. And I will, I will tell my grandchildren that I was there <laughs> and I witnessed the, the UA Hope Probe mission going into Mars's orbit. But ladies and gentlemen, we have to talk about something. We, we have, have to talk, talk about something. We have to talk about the <laughs> halftime show, the only place to be at three, with the man himself, Omar Adouri. How you doing? I'm doing You're great, brother. Looking smart, man. <laughs> looking smart. Stepping up your game, bro. I, I like, like smart most of the days. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> you guys doing great show, by the way. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank really, you so really much. Enjoy listening to you guys. We always enjoy listening to you. So let us know what's us coming know. up in what's just a coming? few moments. All right. So coming up on the halftime show, are we overcomplicating our nutrition plans? And could an app 
be the solution mm. to holding us accountable. We have a halftime test. I mean, you, should, you should give go. us the app later so we can promote it on the show. We can talk about it on the show. I think he's talking about generic apps, right? In Not talking, uh, well, there are a lot of apps, yes, but yeah. there is one that I have used recently mm. and put myself under to see if I could uh, change and switch up my nutrition plans and actually match up my training gear. Oh, Ooh, very interesting. That's an interesting one. So, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first from the man himself, the only place to be at through the halftime show with Amara Dure, going to be telling you all about nutrition <laughs> and the, that app that I'm very excited I to talk also, about. I also want to see how people have been keeping up with the challenge. Yes. He did a challenge on his show that I personally really enjoyed. Haven't followed it to the T, but it has been interesting to wake up every morning and just think about what are some things I want to mm-hmm. implement the first hour of my day. Very and, good. And also, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to remind you that today was the first day of the yes. Exposure International Photography Festival. I was there with Rania Saadi and Aisha Al-Mazmi, and we're going to be there tomorrow and Saturday. And the event does go on from one from 11 a.m. 11 a.m. all the way to 1 p.m. And if you want to go, it's open until 10 p.m. today. Please go and see what the Sharjah Expo Center is providing with the Exposure event. Very interesting. And there was one photographer that made me cry. Oh, that's one... Interesting interview that I'm sure everyone wants to go ahead and tune in into. If you're a fan of photography, make sure you head to the Expo Center. Exposure Photography Festival has a lot to offer for all of you. Future Talk is coming to an end, but you can catch us again tomorrow. Same time, same place from 2 to 3 p.m. Only here on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.